0: Head to nextreel.com slash merch.
1: Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today.
0: And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got
1: lots more great movie chats coming your way. We wanted to take a moment to thank you for your continued support over the years. It's hard to believe that we've been having weekly in-depth discussions about movies since 2011.
0: That's right. Twelve years and counting. Producing this show is a labor of love for us, but it does require a lot of time and effort each week.
1: If you enjoy our podcast and would love to help keep it going, there are some easy ways you can show your support. One is by using our Originals page to shop for the original source material that movies we've discussed were based on.
0: That's right. In season one alone, we covered 13 films adapted from books or plays, from Charlie Kaufman's adaptation to David Fincher adaptations like Fight Club.
1: In season two, we covered even more, like Powell and Pressburger's The Red Shoes and The African Queen from our series about legendary cinematographer Jack Cardiff.
0: We can't forget about the four Jason Bourne movies we talked about. Love those movies. Well, the original trilogy, at least.
1: (laughs) For our Richard D. Zanuck series, we did Jaws, Rush, Big Fish, and more. And for our horror series, we talked about John Carpenter's The Thing, which was adapted from Who Goes There?
0: We did our first great car chase series with movies like Bullet, The French Connection, and Drive. And for the holidays, we did Preston Sturgis' Christmas in July.
1: We had a great John Huston series with adaptations like The Maltese Falcon and The Treasure of the Sierra Madre.
0: And for our baseball series, Moneyball with Brad Pitt. Have I told you lately how much I love that movie?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think you have. Plus, our Magician series and Heist film series had adaptations as well.
0: Tons of page-to-screen gems. Listeners can find the details and links to the original material at the slash originals. Every book, play, or movie you buy through our links helps support the show, and it's no extra cost to you.
1: So dive in and get your next read today. the slash originals has all the films adapted from other sources that not only we have covered, but all of the shows on the Next Real family of podcasts. Check it out and get reading.
0: Support the show and build your reading list. It's a win-win. Head to thenextreel.com slash originals. I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Andy Nelson. Welcome to The Next Reel. When the movie ends, our conversation begins. In just a matter of seconds, you're going to hear a classic episode
1: of this show from back in the day when we called ourselves Movies We Like.
0: So thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to The Next Reel. We appreciate your time and attention, and we hope you enjoy the show. (laughs) Spoiler. It's giant robots. (laughs) Uh, Yep oh so what are you doing over there are you with me are you still are we doing this
1: uh yeah i'm 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 here are you still in time i'm watching something i think i hear it yeah
0: i hear it Explosions and such yeah i don't i don't give it away for the love of everything don't give it away
1: for the love of everything holy uh
0: so i you know how are you
1: I am grand. Are you feeling good? This is a good week. It's yeah, I I guess it's, it's it's been a busy week honestly. It's been
0: You've been working on budgets?
1: I've been working on on uh, proposals for projects and I've been working on uh yeah, you know, it's end of the semester for the kids, so
0: Oh, the kids.
1: Yeah. Doling out grades, trying to make kids happy.
0: Any good scripts? You got any good any good scripts that people are turning into you?
1: Yeah, you know some pretty good ones. I I had a, a, a good class with the you know it's funny every semester there's always a trend in scripts. Like last semester, it was like serial killer families. <laughs> this serial semester,
0: killer families.
1: Yeah, it was uh, really, This
0: is a it's a Dexter thing.
1: I I guess so. It was something. This semester, it was like um, some heavy dramas, like some real heavy dramas uh before that it was zombies it's like i and it's strange how i keep getting these trends with the, with the kids i they're not planning it hmm. it's just a uh, smart I don't know. smart catalog some something in the air yeah you know yeah. i they uh i'm going to have them all send their scripts to you as soon as they're done
0: it may, uh you know i i i could use a new writing partner there you go maybe a zombie romance
1: mhm we need more zom romcoms mhm i thing
0: you, uh, where can uh, where 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 do people find you? Uh, and all
1: about you? Uh, they can they can they can find me over at uh, Soda Creek Film on Twitter and Facebook, and at uh, Movies We Like page on Facebook, and of course at rashpixel.tv.
0: Yeah, you should go there. I I I'm hoping that ends soon. <laughs> We're working on it. Man, did we hose ourselves on that? You know yeah. uh, people domain squatting sucks. I'm sorry it stinks it makes me mad yeah uh so if you if anybody has this is a a call to arms
1: <laughs> to all of our listeners to
0: all of our sarmento, I'm looking at you <laughs> anybody who has fifteen hundred bucks uh between their sheets a mattress uh and box springs, we could sure use it because some domain squatters got movies we like dot com and now we don't have it. That's right. So we are, we're hurting. Rashpixel.tv is where you can find the uh, current uh, website of the show, and you should definitely check that out because Andy has gone hog wild <laughs> catching up on all of our old uh, material and, and putting up all of the lists that we've talked about. I mean, seriously, if you want to catch up on the list of films with bad soundtracks and slash or particularly awful pop songs based on great scores... You'd find out where we stand on that, or the Why We Loved Meg Ryan list, which is another hit. Some of the most popular content on our site is the Chapaquiddick subgenre list. (laughs) And and one of my favorites, one of my favorites, the Movies About Strippers list, in order of quality. (laughs) Question mark. That's a short list. (laughs) <laughs> uh so uh, and if any
1: of you have additions to our list feel free to send them our way we'd love to throw your suggestions onto our list. We
0: certainly would and and I think we've talked about this before but the one uh, sort of growing list that we may take seriously uh although not added to this evening in particular books from which movies we like were adopted and all those links you can go uh buy the books from uh amazon and and that'll send us a little pimp fee anything on the site you click a link and it takes you to amazon if you buy something there it'll send us a pimp fee to support the site so we we truly appreciate your support and uh and your purchases of great movies and movie related stuff uh you can find me at pete Wright on the twitter and obviously at rashpixel.tv on the website uh, and on Facebook, and we've got we've had some really nice comments and commentary, and and a couple of uh, great comments uh, uh, on our iTunes page. We surely appreciate you taking your time and donating your spare stars to a five star review on iTunes. And a couple of folks have written in some very nice things. Who uh, who has written in, Andrew? Uh,
1: well, this is one that we we've been sitting on, holding out for for a kind of a clump of uh, of reviews <laughs> to read. Uh, Derek W. Jazz back in July kindly said, stumbled across this one on my Smodcast channel. Enjoyable conversation for any movie geek. They don't just focus on the latest summer blockbuster. Everything from the African Queen to Prometheus can get a little techno geek at times. That's probably me. I was just <laughs> going to they... say that. <laughs> but they are objective and obviously real film fans. Give it a go.
0: Oh, it's very nice of you, Derek W. Jazz. Uh, okay. Who else Who else do we need to, talk, uh, to thank?
1: Uh, one um, Spicy Pup, which is our our, uh, lovely friend Sarmento, uh, we somehow neglected to ever read his, um, which I think he had posted and then he reposted maybe as a reminder (laughs) so that that it moved up in the ranks. (laughs) It's my Saturday morning routine to do yard work and listen to movies we like. I try not to listen while working in the front yard to avoid grinning and laughing out loud with hedge clippers in my hands as neighbors walk past. Probably smart on his part. Insightful, entertaining, and always enjoyable. Did the Jiggly Monkeys poop in your lemonade during the week? Listen to Movies We Like as a way to get your weekend off to a great start.
0: That's so nice. (laughs) Even the thing about poop. That's right. Aww. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed. Thank you, spicy pup. (laughs) Uh, And uh, I think we have one
1: more. Yeah, and then Joel H. just wrote in, and this was a, a very recent one. Andy and Pete do an amazing job of maintaining a good balance of informative pithy dialogue and witty banter their two personalities are somewhat different but mesh perfectly to create a genuinely entertaining and enlightening podcast i think he's talking about me again (laughs) are you are you the pithy one or the uh, witty one no i'm different (laughs) 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 another thing i appreciate is the clean style of the broadcast never do i have to worry about my four-year-old daughter overhearing something she shouldn't thanks pete and andy so, That's, that's That great. is
0: really nice. And you know what? That is a terrific reminder because I I tend to if if anybody is going to uh push the boundary there on the podcast, it's going to be me. So, uh, this is a <laughs> great reminder that I uh that that uh this is for all ages and I uh to uh, to Joel's 4-year-old daughter. Thank you so much for listening. Yes, indeed. Uh as a lover of children everywhere, uh, uh, we we appreciate
1: our our younger listeners. She may not get as much out of our show as she would out of Yo Gabba Gabba, but but,
0: <laughs> well, but we like to try anyway. <laughs> we like to start them early.
1: That's right. And
0: uh, and you know, I I think uh, switching gears to Facebook a little bit. I, I think it's the same. I'm gonna uh, to roll the dice on this one. I think it's the same Joel who uh, posted a great question to our Facebook uh, page this week, and I wanted to get your take on it. Uh, he writes. Hey fellas, just listened to the Leon episodes. Great stuff as always. Thank you very much, Joel. When you spoke of Gary Oldman, it made me think of one of my favorite films, True Romance. Amen to that. Any chance of you guys doing an episode on this one? Perhaps as part of a Tarantino or modern pulp series. Stay nubile, gents. (laughs) Count on that, Joel. Now you uh, wrote me an email about this, and and you I I think also responded, um, you know, to to Facebook and and uh, to Joel on Facebook. And I noticed you didn't really latch onto the Tarantino thing,
1: well, you know, as much as I love Tarantino, I feel like everybody talks about Tarantino, and yeah. uh, you know it's it's one of the things I, I i mean I think we could i i I kind of feel like it would be more interesting to find a way to tie Tarantino's films into some other series, yeah. That's my take.
0: Yeah, you know, and I think we, I think we may have landed on that series, and it's, it's a series that I have gotten progressively more excited about uh, as we were talking about it. Which is the, and I, I think it could be uh, a, a substantive one, which is the, uh, the, uh, uh, a whole series on criminal couples,
1: mm-hmm. uh, or cou- couples on the run. Couples on the run. Is that that's what we're going to be doing? So, well, oh, because they may not be, they may, they may be accidental criminals.
0: All right. <laughs> All right. So, we that gives us a, a frame for talking about um you know, for talking about in particular this film which I think is a, a great one and and uh, we should uh, absolutely add that to the list. So, that should be coming in 2013. We are actively working on our 2013 uh, schedules of series and uh so we're excited to start rolling that out uh we are we have a couple of shows in the uh in the proverbial can for the to get us through the holidays that we recorded a few weeks back uh to give you a holiday dose uh so you'll you'll hear those shortly uh but 2013 we're starting off uh we're starting off big excited about it
1: yes indeed yeah indeed indeed
0: uh now look we we got to work in in the uh we we got a new way of talking about trailers Yes. Cuz you yeah. had you had an epiphany. Share your epiphany.
1: Well, <laughs> in, <laughs> instead of talking about all these trailers and then and then directing people to each individual movie's page to uh, or podcast page on our site to see the link, why don't we put the links in our blog on our page where people can just go to the blog and we'll be constantly updating our blog with new trailers, new things about films, I mean, talking about like The Hobbit in HFR 3D, all that sort of stuff. It's all going to be on our blog. So we're going to talk about a couple trailers and then we'll keep you guys informed of all the other trailers that are exciting us throughout the week on our blog. Which we
0: are already doing and we're very excited about. Uh, so you can head over to rashpixel.tv and, and click on the blog to start seeing some of those posts. And all those things cross-post over to Facebook. So if you're a Facebook person, you can just uh, catch us all there. Um, but that is, uh, you know, I think there are, every week, there are a couple of trailers that we're really excited about for one reason or another. And rather than kind of belabor the trailer discussion here, we have decided then to talk about, each of us, our one most very favorite trailer the of a movie that we're very much looking forward to each week
1: or Uh, the one that we'd most like to talk about because the one yes the one we we are most looking forward
0: to talking about how's that there you go all right uh and so uh did we should we uh draw straws or is do you have some sort of a um method to how who goes first
1: um you go (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> I don't that? I don't think there's any way to understate just how excited I get about this particular uh, uh this particular uh superhero right now that is uh Man of Steel. I am very excited about the Man of Steel uh trailer 2 that came out this week. It is um Man, it just uh I I don't know. I I think part of the reason I'm so excited about it is cuz I have no idea what to expect. We've got Clark Kent with a beard. He's like he's got the full born identity style found in a in a boat accident kind of uh, uh uh floating lifeless in the sea. He's he rescues a bus as a youth. He's uh and, and we actually see him uh we see him take off in flight. And I mean it's just some it, it, very iconic imagery. Uh the the music, uh the score by Hans Zimmer um it sounds so much more like uh what's his name? A Bear uh mm, Yeah. Uh that it, it who I'm I uh, am quite a fan of and 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 so it's it just it's it's haunting and a whole different look at this character. And for that Uh, I'm very excited to see what they do with the, uh, with this legend. Uh, I was a fan of Superman returns, uh, in more in spirit than in practice. I I thought it was kind of a, a forgettable movie. I enjoyed watching it. And then I, I promptly didn't, didn't think much about it anymore. Um, and I think we've said this before, we've been talking about how my kids and I have been making our way through Smallville and we just finished yesterday. Uh, wow! we, we the, the three of us, me and my kids, we the two kids, we we got through ten years of Smallville episodes. We it's it's not healthy, but we did it, and uh, <laughs> and and so there's a we, there's a lot of uh, enthusiasm in my house for this, and and even my kids are excited about the the kind of dark Zack Snyder look now, of this trailer.
1: Now, who's the villain?
0: I have no idea.
1: Somebody told me, and I'm completely forgetting. It's not. Um, I mean, thank goodness it's not. Lex Luthor. Uh, Lex Luthor. It's like, come on. Is there no other villain for this guy? Uh, uh,
0: well, let's see. More Man of Steel. Uh, it looks like we do have Zod. Yeah, that's uh, what it is.
1: It's General Zod. That's General right. Zod. And uh, General another, Zod Another was... villain we've already done before.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, although I don't think... Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, uh, I'm i not sure they've really captured the... the uh, uh, You know, Zod's role. Uh, it, the it, Superman 2 is... You know, it wasn't a great example of Zod, I don't think.
1: Oh, come on. That's the best of those ones.
0: Do you know do you note the uncomfortable silence?
1: <laughs> I, I did. Actually. That was not
0: a technical glitch. That was that was made to pressure you into retracting what you just said.
1: I will not. It's better than the best stand, of all the movies. Stand down, son.
0: That is not you can't just say that.
1: Oh, I just did. <laughs> oh, oh.
0: All right. Superman series on the list for 2013.
1: Oh, boy. You just can't wait to talk about uh, Richard Pryor. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right. All right. So, uh, okay. So we're excited. We've got uh character of Zod. It looks like uh, he's saying uh, that Snyder is going to utilize the character of Zod the same way that Richard Donner did. Um, so uh, let's see. Regardless, Snyder once oh. dismissed Zod's involvement as nothing more than her- hearsay. Uh so I don't know that's that's not a good uh no that's a that's a horrible uh, uh rumor that doesn't further discussion at all
1: <laughs> so, I t- I take that back so, so General Zod is in it in the same way he was in Superman 2 Yeah which just like in Superman Returns <laughs> it was done the same way with Lex Luthor as it was in Superman <laughs> I love yeah. their way that they're keep redoing these Superman movies
0: <laughs> uh
1: i i have to say i'm really a superman is one of my least favorite heroes i find him really uninteresting because he's as much fun as i have watching the movies i it's like come on he's superman he can <laughs> deflect bullets with his eyeball how are you gonna stop I'm, him i'm not kidding that was a good one that was good yeah,
0: yeah. all right
1: all right this know, is you know who's you know who's in that though
0: Yes, I do. Lot, the 2 by of... the 2 by 4. <laughs> the
1: plank. <laughs> a lot of people, but Christopher Maloney's in it. Oh, yeah, that's the truth. Who was uh he's a fellow alum. Did you know that? Uh did I know that? I don't know. Did we like hang we, out? We've never we've never talked. No, it was long before our time, but <laughs> <laughs> all right just random trivia no i'm i'm suddenly excited
0: about that that's right all right all right so let's talk about your trailer because i i think if there was one trailer that rivals my excitement about man of steel this week it would be this one go
1: i I don't know i I, i've been switching trailers in my head as to which one no
0: now you're gonna okay what are you gonna do i'm
1: gonna throw you for a loop i'm gonna talk about pacific rim (sighs) oh god I was gonna talk about Oblivion, but I, I switched it. Well, that wasn't even the one I was excited about. I thought you were gonna do Into Darkness. Oh no! I, I, you know, it was it was a it was a sci-fi. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> Remember, there are I four like... there
0: are four year olds listening
1: to this show. <laughs> there, and... the... <laughs> there were way too many sci-fi trailers coming out this week. I'll tell you that much. Woo! Pacific Rim. I I just want to talk about it because I. This is another one. I'm, I, I find it looks gorgeous, but I have a hard time getting into it. And I know a lot of people are really excited about it. A lot of Del Toro fans like it, and it just—it's like, you know, it's Robotech with giant robots and people in them running these giant robots fighting alien monsters that came out of the sea. I don't know.
0: Have you ever? Uh, have you ever read uh, Ebert's uh, rules
1: for criticism for film criticism? I haven't. Should I have done that before I started on a podcast? <laughs>
0: no, uh, no. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a post. He he wrote it a long time ago, and it was all. But but one of the rules that he says is avoid trailers. Don't just avoid trailers altogether because they, you know, trailer makers are, you know, notorious for giving away okay. everything. Right. Just sure. avoid it. And so if you're if you want to make a a, a um, substantive contribution to film criticism, avoid trailers. Yeah. All right, I totally disagree with that. I disagree with that on, on, a, on a very deep and kind of visceral level. I think trailers are fantastic. I love the stories that they tell in these little two. I think trailers in themselves are an art form that is sort of a subgenre of film, and uh, and I love watching them. And I love that the game that, that these trailer editors play is to try to get us excited for things that, that um, uh, you know, and and yet maintain some of the mystery behind it. I think the best trailers actually are able to get us excited and maintain the mystery. And I think this movie absolutely destroys that. Uh, This trailer destroys that. It, it gives away all of the mystery. I've seen the Kraken and uh, uh, you know, and it's giant robots and really Two dudes in the head of the giant robot, both of them running to make the yeah. robot like I only see two sets of robot legs. I, I just like <laughs> I am already I... mistrusting the the technological sort of assumptions that they are they are laying the foundation for in this film and I, I I think it looks really silly and i am I think there are so many of like what people consider del Toro's best films.
1: I detest. Yeah, we've talked about him a little bit. And I, I I, think I like the ones that you detest. um, And I, I detest the ones that you like. <laughs> yeah. But this one is one of those ones that... I mean, I'm hoping that, that you're wrong. And I'm hoping, like, the big fight with the Kraken is all like the first you know, 30 minutes of the film and then something really interesting changes and all of a sudden there's a whole extra element to the story that actually makes it new. But you're right. I mean, I feel like we've already seen everything that's going to be going on in this film and guess what's going to happen at the end? The guys in the robot are going to beat the monster. I mean, it's, it's not very... Uh, it doesn't seem very interesting. It doesn't seem like there's a, much of a story there. So, I don't know. I, I find it hard to get excited about it. I just find it so fascinating that it's, it's done so like so seriously. And there's been obviously a lot of thought and time and energy put into this, the designs of these robots. I mean, the blueprints for them you can find online and download. And I mean, it's insane. It's crazy how, how focused people are on doing this. And, uh, you know, it excites me that people are enthusiastic about it. I'm not, but I, I, I hope something interesting comes of it.
0: Yeah. I, um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm with you, and I think it will be great when people realize it's actually a boxing movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if they want big robots fighting, they should just go watch Steel. <laughs> exactly.
0: Great film, by the way. People should go see Real Steel. Yeah. Uh, okay.
1: I think i've I've checked all my little to do boxes. I think so. I think we're done with all of these. Let's uh, see. All of with... this, uh...
0: Witty banter, check. Where can you find us? Check. Nice comments, exclamation point, check. And trailers. So, what do we, uh, what do we want to talk about? This oh. is this
1: is uh, Elfin. No, you don't say Elfin. That would be Spanish. What is? I don't know how. Lefin. Fin. It's just <laughs> fin. Of our of our fun filled, wacky Luc Bisson series.
0: <laughs> All right. You know, we've done Nikita, we've done which Le- I
1: liked. I liked more than I remembered. Yeah,
0: good. I I think that's open-minded of you. We did uh, Leon, the professional genre, which I,
1: I which I really liked more than I remembered.
0: Yes, which was outstanding uh, in a lot of its own ways and still kind of dumb in others, but generally uh, a terrific film. Yep, uh, on the list of movies we like, definitely. And now we're talking about the fifth element. Yes. Where where would you? <laughs> <laughs> I well, I find myself nervous to have this uh, conversation with if
1: you. If you if you didn't read what I wrote on Facebook, <laughs> oh, I, I read it. Would you like to recap? Yeah. Uh, well, Please. rewatching it. Okay, I watched this once the first time in the movie theater when it came out. I I was really excited for it. The trailer was gorgeous. If anyone remembers the trailer, as I recall, maybe my memory is uh, incorrect, but it was all uh, just orchestral score and just gorgeous images for like, you know, two and a half minutes of just glorious eye candy that we watched. And it looked wonderful. Then I watched it and I realized what he had done with it. And I was so upset. I was so disappointed. I I swore I would never watch it again. And it was just abysmal, terrible film. A few years later, it finally came out on DVD and all that. And I was like, oh, you know what? And maybe I'll give it a chance again. And maybe I was wrong. I was in the wrong frame of mind. I'll watch it again. And I watched it again. I was like, man, this is really awful. I really <laughs> struggled with it. I really hated it. And then I was like, oh, it's going to be part of the series. I know it. And sure enough, you <laughs> wanted it as the third one in the series. I'm like, okay, I'll give it a try. I'll watch it again. And I'll look for the redeeming features in it. And I couldn't find but a few. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that's that's where I am. <laughs> oh,
0: man, that's heartbreaking. You know, at once I you know, I used to think you were so open-minded and <laughs> I mean, what about well, the poster? Did you like did you even like the poster?
1: <laughs> uh, the poster's okay. You know, you know what's funny though is when I wrote that on Facebook. Yeah. I had a number of friends who commented about how much they love the movie. Yes. And this is one of those films that I think, and again, maybe I just don't click with the wacky comedy stylings of Luc Besson because I I just don't, his humor just grates on my nerves. In every film, anytime something is funny or his over-the-top style is really standing out, I have a really hard time with it. And this film is not just the over-the-top style, but it's also his sense of humor all the way through. I mean, this is probably as close to a straight-out comedy that he's ever made, and it just—it pains me to watch this film.
0: I—I I have a—I have a theory. Okay. I've been trying to work this out. Uh. Uh, you know when when we talk, and and so much of this theory is kind of built on watching Luc Besson's other films, and and the things that I struggle with in Luc Besson's other other films are the the sort of campy portrayal of uh, bad guys and crime, and how it it almost becomes sort of this vaudevillian sort of play uh, in the most serious moments, and the, this sort of unintentional jocularity that comes with Besson's work is. Um, is out of place in movies that otherwise bring some great character complexity and relationship substance, right? Right, right. All right. The fifth element, I think, capitalizes uh, on, in, in this more or less no-holds-barred sort of a fashion on all of the personality that Luc Besson is, right? It, it peels away all of that Sort of significance that he brings to uh, to the professional and the relationship between Jean Renault and, and uh, uh, Matilda uh, or Leon and Matilda, and it becomes one hundred percent the the thing that Luc Besson wakes up in the middle of the night thinking about. Right? It right. is. We we it it is. His being John Malkovich, right? This is we are now in Luc Besson's head, and I think in in that respect, um, it, we are we're seeing the movie he was meant to make.
1: Well, and not just in his head; in his head as a sixteen-year-old, because yeah, as he's yeah. as he's claimed, he actually started, he came up with this whole idea when he was sixteen, and uh, and started writing it down, and so it very much does feel like a young boy's teenage sci-fi fantasy film, you know,
0: this is, this is his star Wars, uh, you know, as, as star Wars is to Lucas. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he was able because of his work to take this 16 year old script and turn it into a massive special effects extravaganza. That is a, an incredibly rich uh, painting of, beautiful color and staging and light and sound and all of the sort of technical support that comes with a big blockbuster film around a script that is goofy and muddled and muddy and
1: uh nonsensical
0: nonsensical i mean you know there's you could just Go ahead and deride the script all day long. I I have no problem with that. This I I had, yeah. You know, I've seen this movie a ton of times. I realized as I was watching it this time, trying to pay attention, I can't. I cannot pay attention to the story itself. I it is. It makes uh, like I I can't get through it. I lose track. It's my ADHD kicks in, and uh, suddenly I'm counting toothpicks. The uh, uh I I had forgotten uh, that this actually was a Luke Perry vehicle for
1: example. Uh, you know, I had to. That was, <laughs> that was really funny to see him
0: pop up. I'm like, oh, uh, wow, yeah. Uh, so so as it turns out, there is a story in here. And <laughs> uh, I, you know... Fancy that. Fancy that. Uh, it, it turns out that there is, and I'm not sure if he's actually trying to make a cultural statement, or or a political statement, or a religious statement, or if it, or if the uh, Mondo Shawans the ancient uh, Muppet people?
1: Uh, <laughs> no, they're they're the robot people. Well, they're yes. they're, 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 they're well, all yeah. Muppety looking.
0: Uh, they're all Muppety looking. I and and uh, the the ancient Muppet robot people uh, were actually the precursors to uh, human civilization, and they come down to Egypt because everybody comes to Egypt with their giant, uh, their giant uh, steam- ovipositor they're, they're <laughs> They're giant steampunk. Oh yes. Okay, so they they come to get these the uh, the stones, uh, and each stone uh, represents an element, and then there is the fifth element, which is uh, the handsome Mila Jovovich.
1: Not in my head. I actually looked it up because I was like, "How do you actually pronounce her name?" It's it's, it's Jovovich. Jovovich. Did you know that? I I think that. I did know that. I
0: but uh, I've never been able to habitualize it.
1: I know it doesn't. It doesn't feel like it's right. Uh, yes, uh, she she likes it when you call her Jovovich. She does. That's what I've heard. <laughs> she does. She does.
0: Uh, we were talking. She said, "You, you go ahead and pronounce the J. It's fine." <laughs> I love the J. Uh, and she is, in fact, the fifth element. If you don't pick that up, uh, she is the fifth element, and I, maybe that's a spoiler if you get that far.
1: Uh, uh, yeah, because she pretty blatantly says it. Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> There are some real, I, I think, you know, there are some real highlights in the in, in, in the visual highlights in the film, and there's, I think, some really original kind of uses of technology and I, things I really liked. Um, I, uh, I I found the sort of Cirque du Soleil style uh, uh, costuming um, and production design uh, fit very well with the uh with the the uh craziness of the overall story and i think it made a lot of sense some of the headwear was uh you know particularly gary oldman's crazy uh head shaved plastic uh apparatus uh might might have been i uh, i didn't see the function but
1: i i certainly found it attractive it was it was uh pretty unique <laughs> it was the uh i mean i I will say this the you're talking about a lot of the things that actually do work for me the yeah. eye candy yeah. stuff i think is is really interesting and I think it's funny you um talk about Gary oldman it was funny um that he said that he uh what was that how is it that they uh he described it as a a blend of um uh gautier who who designed the costumes in this movie right. he also is famous for designing Madonna's big cone bras um and he said, uh, "Luke Basson says at the beginning they talked about each character, and for Zorg, he dis- um, Basson describes Zorg as dandy Nouveau Riche Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's
0: uh, that's that's perfect,
1: and you can see it coming through. <laughs> you
0: really can. He plays that to a T. Uh, he is. Uh, we should, as long as we're talking about uh, old uh, oldman." uh he doesn't come off I, in this movie i've seen uh, folks who compare him to um uh, you know to his role as um um uh, in in leon right i i don't find him as uh you know impossible to pin down as as leon he is um it, i think it's i think it would be tough for any actor to bring that you know the the level of uh, i the name is escaping me please help me oh, what was his
1: name in leon um <sighs> It's, um, Stansfield.
0: Stansfield. Uh, It would be difficult in, in a overall sort of tableau as comical as is delivered in The Fifth Element. I think it would be difficult for anybody to deliver the mania, uh, of Stansfield as an evil character. I mean, there are, there is good and bad in this movie and it is all sort of comic strip good and bad, not even comic strip, funny papers, good and bad, um, and uh and but he's he's crazy and he gets to yell lines that most people speak in normal tones and that makes him
1: uh makes him the villain yeah i mean he is kind of the villain (laughs) yeah this is one of the weird things about the film uh you know one of the many strange things i mean he is the villain he's kind of the one who's trying to stop the fifth element but Interestingly enough, he's not actually the antagonist. He's actually working for the antagonist, which is kind of oddly undefined as this big, dark evil ball
0: well this uh, is that this actually
1: is, calls him up on the phone
0: that's right because this is the Star trek four conundrum <laughs> right This is the the evil ball from space uh that I- that has no other uh purpose but right to make this planet act.
1: Right. Where do you stand on that as a motivation? It's it's terrible motivation. <laughs> I mean, there's there's nothing behind it other than... And, and I mean, to I guess I can say to Besson's credit, he's playing with that idea because people jokingly keep saying through the film, oh, we're going to go save the universe or whatever, um, that it's it's a notion that seems so grand that it's it's just an impossibility almost and so the fact that they're actually trying to do it in this um is in itself kind of silly however it still doesn't work it's not like he's he's doing it in a way that's turning it into a satire of of films that use that as a device.
0: No, he's playing it very seriously. And in the end, Bruce Willis does get George and Gracie in the form of Mila Jovovich, and they Mm -hmm. do save the universe. There is no MacGuffin here. They are really searching for this, and they do apply it.
1: Right. And the universe is summarily saved. And now we learn where our moon came from. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you. Yes, we do. Thank you for that.
0: Well, now, wait a second. Was there ever any sense of time, or am I going to be getting too deep?
1: Well, the movie takes place in the 23rd century.
0: Hmm.
1: So, Right. uh, well, no, I guess that wouldn't make sense, would it?
0: I'm having trouble tracking that one.
1: (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I just think it's odd that it ends up being exactly Exactly like like. the current moon that we have floating above our sky.
0: Well, maybe we uh, soiled ours. This is a
1: new moon. It's a new moon. Maybe that's all it was. It was a moon delivery service.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I uh, so I uh, let's see uh, other points that I I really like the visual uh, stuff, particularly the the visual effects stuff, the rebuilding of the Fifth Element, uh, the, the or the uh, how do you say it? the construction of Mila,
1: the yeah the digital construction from. Whatever, I guess it was just an arm, right? An that arm, was left over arm from suit. one of those giant yeah. robot things.
0: Right, she was apparently in one of those suits.
1: I guess, or I thought she was the essence of it. I guess that confused me. Why it turned into her? Well, I, I thought it was it was taking her essence from the arm. Or oh something. no,
0: I think that was her severed hand inside the, a glove. That oh, was see, her I hand the, in a glove. Okay. Well, hey, she was knows. in a suit. And uh, she was in the suit, and they because they start you start seeing the the bones come as an extension of what was sticking out there, right. So, uh, anyhow, they the I thought that was a, a particularly novel. Uh, I, once you have let go of all of your disbelief, right? Once that is all suspended in the first five minutes of the film, and you see the, uh, you know, the attack by the dog uh, aliens, um, the, the dog uh, the aliens henchmen.
1: being the. Uh... Zorg's
0: uh, henchman, or his hired uh, guns. Uh, They have a name, but it doesn't matter. Uh, Once you see that attack and you realize, okay, this is going to be a Muppet movie about uh, dog aliens and robot people, (laughs) uh, suddenly seeing Mila being digitally reconstructed in this giant um, uh, glass... it's coffin. an avatar tank. <laughs> it's an avatar. That's exactly what it was. It's an avatar tank. <laughs> uh-huh. Suddenly, none of that really uh, is, is beyond uh, disbelief. And I remember seeing it the first time I saw it when this film uh, came out in 1997, and I was blown away. That was the single coolest thing I had ever seen to date. Yeah. You can't—I mean, it, seriously. Can you think of anything? it was
1: great. Now it feels like kind of standard stuff. Yeah. But at the time, 1997, it really was mind-boggling. And that's what I'm saying. The visuals on this film really stand uh, um, really high up there as far as what they were achieving in 97. It still wasn't good enough to win them an Oscar or anything. Titanic uh, managed to kind of take all of those technical awards. But uh, they did a really great job of creating this visually just stunning gorgeous world that um obviously Besson had really been thinking about and him teamed with uh you know his production designer Dan I don't know if it's Wile or whale or Wheel him and his team and the costumes by uh Gautier and you know just all of this design that they had done in creating this world I think was really amazing um so, yes, I, and and actually creating a person from basically from, you know, the inside out from, you know, the blood vessels and the nerves and the bones and everything. I mean, that was really stunning at the time.
0: It was still stunning. And I'll tell you, it holds up. I, I It's still I mean, obviously, we do we do better things now with computers. Uh, and that's uh, obviously to be understood to be, you know. That, that's, that's where we are. But this, watching this again, I found uh, that it absolutely holds up and uh, is still a compelling sequence, um, you know, e- even though, uh, you know, the responses of those, you know, the officials, the military officials as they're watching ends up being uh, a, a little bit too uh, over the top. Um, I I found that that sequence to be a particularly good. Another performance I liked uh, a, a lot was Ian Holm as the frenetic priest, um, who uh, priest astrophysicist, uh, Jedi knight.
1: <laughs> yes,
0: there is definitely a little
1: Obi Wan Kenobi sort All of right. thing going on here. Uh,
0: I I thought he was um, I, I thought he was terrific in his um, in his a uh, portrayal of just craziness uh uh he just walked around like a spark just like electricity from each scene just sort of nervous and terrified and i i found myself sort of always uh in enchanted by his um his place on screen i like watching ian Holm uh work uh yeah uh, and and, he, so. and he's
1: he really knows how to uh, work in film. He understands yes. how to play in uh, just in, on screen. Do you know that this was he had been in over fifty films by the time he did this one?
0: I didn't know that it was fifty, but I I knew he had been around. Yeah, he's right? he's been a busy boy. Busy boy. Yeah. Um. Uh, let's see. And now I I you know Bruce Willis. Uh, I've already said uh, I'm on the record.
1: I do like the Bruce Willis. You know Bruce is one of those guys that I mean he he's you can always count on him bringing something uh great to the table. Well, I shouldn't say that cuz mercury rising is out there. But <laughs> there for the most part you could you could count on Bruce bringing great stuff to the table.
0: And and so you feel he did uh, he did all right with this material is what you're telling me.
1: For, with the material, I mean, he he does a, a a good job with it, you know. It's it's not his fault that the story is a, a, big convoluted mess that's just full of nonsense from beginning to end. He does a great job in it. And I've got to say all the actors really buy into everything they're doing in this world and in this film, they all do a great job. It's just, I just have a hard time getting on onto the the crazy train when I watch this film.
0: That, you know, I think that is a a really good point that this movie is just downright goofy. And, uh, you know, every single character from, from Mila, to Ian Holm to uh Bruce Willis to uh, I'm I'm going to say it to Chris Tucker. Oh! Uh they they delivered on the goofiness with all the sobriety that I I think Luke Bison uh had asked. It it really
1: they they got into it. They do. You know, it's just like I mean, I give huge credit to uh Brendan Fraser for the crazy idiotic films that he does because every time he does one he is in it 110 percent with all of the sincerity that he needs as an actor and it makes his
0: movies that much better
1: i mean i gotta say george of the jungle i actually laughed quite a bit yes because he's a goof because he's totally willing to just be a, a complete goofball same thing in this film everyone really goofed it up and i mean i not goofed it up like messed it up but they really got the goofy side they got into the goofy antics of the story yeah yep. i'm giving yep. I, I can't believe i'm praising this movie so much. i know you're doing a great job let's keep, it, <laughs> let's
0: keep it going i want to talk more about chris
1: tucker you uh, know this this is funny <laughs> i i found a a, a on a uh website totalfilm.com did a 50 performances that ruined movies <laughs> list <laughs> <laughs> and Chris Tucker is number twenty on this list. I, I think he could have been a little higher, but uh you do have to have Ahmed Best above him <laughs> what he brought to to Star Wars episode one. But uh, Chris Tucker, this is what he says about Chris Tucker, the performance. Screeching his way through this otherwise divertingly daft sci-fi, Tucker sounds like a litter of cats slowly drowning in a futuristic river. (laughs) We're always up for a little camp silliness, but this one's a serious patience tester. How it could have been rescued by removing the audio track of Tucker talking and replacing it with the sound of a clucking chicken. Far less annoying. (laughs)
0: I uh okay, so what what I have heard, according to the uh, Ultimate Edition uh DVD release, is that the inspiration for this character of uh, Ruby Rod uh were uh two artists that I quite admire. Uh Prince and Lenny Kravitz. Yeah. Now Isn't when that, you think that's... about that, I think he absolutely nailed it. He is <laughs> the spiritual love child of Prince and Lenny Kravitz. <laughs> In this film, he totally and crushed a it. And a muppet. And a muppet. Uh I, you know, With one of Madonna's
1: comb bras on his
0: head. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm going to say this. You know, I, I, um, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I would be sort of considered a negative guy, but in this, I, I'm, I feel sort of a counter to you, and I'm surprised. I did not find myself as annoyed by Ruby Rod as you and and everyone. <laughs> I think I may be the only guy uh who actually uh, did not find myself really uh, like like uh you know nails on a chalkboard around this guy. I thought the I thought the character was the uh, he, what he delivered uh was an example of the I think if if anything if you're going to say that that Besson captured satire in any sequence in this film it was on the ship on Flost in Paradise which uh, which was uh, You know, uh, Ruby Rod plays this DJ to this show that doesn't end. Right. It's like this reality show that goes on and on and on. And the show exists wherever he is, and i you know that if if anything has you know we've gotten closer and closer to the ruby rod uh reality uh over the last decade and a half um you know i think if if we're if we're looking at besson you know trying to have any sort of cultural relevance in this mess of a film uh I think he gets close there in his interpretation or perspective on media yeah there I said it. Okay. <laughs> you got nothing for that? you're not going to you're you don't even want to uh,
1: it was I great. Feel, I <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Oh, goodness.
0: All right. Uh digital effects were done by Digital Domain. Uh the uh there was there was something about um an uncredited what did I read? There was an uncredited uh uh, the uh, the uh, Okay, Jean-Claude Meziers. Do you know this uh, cartoonist?
1: Oh, no, I don't. But I, I did hear something about how he came up with some of the designs or something, right? Yeah,
0: sci-fi. He's a sci-fi comic book artist, and uh, he isn't directly credited in the film, uh, though he is, quote, confirmed author of most sets. As his album, The Extras of Meziers V2, My Fifth Element Sets for the film Luc Besson title of the book, uh, was published at the same time the movie came out, reusing the movie's logo on the cover and, and, and uh, displaying all of his, his work. Mm. And so that's a, that's a book you can pick up, which, uh, documents the, uh, uh the set, the, the original, uh, uh art interesting uh, for the film and the art for the film, the, the, uh, again, the inspiration for this the film is beautiful. And, and like these other two Besson films that we've talked about every, almost every frame you can pause and, and take in as a, uh, as a still frame, as a photograph. And it's uh, they, they stand up. He is such a visual
1: director. He is. And working with primarily, I almost, the entirely same team that he has been working with through uh, Leon and Nikita. It's a lot of the same people. He has the same DP, and I, I still don't know how to say his name right. Thierry? Thierry? Is it like Jerry? Thierry? 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 ArborGast Terry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, with I mean, gorgeous cinematography and uh, a lot of the same team putting this together. And he this is a man who truly does know how to put a film together. And I think it all fits back to what we started talking about in Nikita is this um this this term that a french critic had come up with for besson and some of his other um filmmakers at the time coming out of france this this uh cinema du look where it was these filmmakers who had amazing visual styles but weren't necessarily making films about anything and i i think that there definitely is something this one more than any either of the others feels much more of that ilk very much all about the look um although interestingly, there's also a, like this weird element where it's like he's trying to uh retread what James Cameron touched on in The Abyss, because you also have this moment at the end where uh Lilu, uh Mila's character, watches all of this footage as she's as she's studying, you know, reading through the the lexicons of, you know, all time and she comes across the letter v in violence and she re or w with war right mm-hmm. and she she watches all the war footage much like the aliens in the abyss watch all of this footage and realize how awful we are and we shouldn't exist anymore and she goes through the exact same thing these these people did or the, those aliens did and it's and in both cases it ends up being love so i mean it's it's like he's trying to come up with this this thing and he's talked about it also where it's like He's trying to say something deeper about uh, about um, mankind and how we're really not, you know, (laughs) good to each other. And, you know, why should we try to save ourselves and all this sort of stuff? Um, I think James Cameron did a much better job saying it. I'm not sure it was that necessary in a movie this this over the top. But um, you know, it, it's there, I guess. If you're trying to find something deeper, well, you know, I think you you bring up a great point, which is,
0: you know, at, first of all, at what point it does uh, do, does the production design actually get in the way of the statement you're trying to make? Yeah. Uh, and in this case, it's all pomp and circumstance. This film Definitely. is all pomp and circumstance, and and uh, and and that becomes a quagmire for the story itself. Um. But, you know, it brings up another point. I mean, we've, we, we've talked about the other elements that have sort of uh, fed into this film and the sort of visual elements that have fed into this film. I mean, you've got the, um, uh, the, the uh, Star Wars and Star Trek and, uh, uh, you know, Abyss and uh, all of these elements. At what point does the story of the fifth element, is it, is it inspired? Uh, is it homage or just plain derivative, right? You know, yeah, no, I was asking.
1: I, 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 <laughs> yeah, well, it felt very rhetorical because you know it's like I, you said it. it I don't yeah. know. It's I I don't think that uh, I, it it just it it feels like I don't know. It feels like he wasn't really concerned. He was more more concerned and focused on creating this amazing world than he was in really focusing on telling a story that made this world, made our journey through this world with him worthwhile. Hmm. You know, it just, Mm -hmm. it feels, it doesn't feel like there's a big reason to go on this journey, um, other than to see how pretty it all is.
0: And, and maybe that's, uh, that's, that's the challenge is that we walk away feeling like, I I walk away feeling like that is enough. It yeah. is enough to me to go on this ride uh, and get shaken around a bit and enjoy the sights. Uh, insofar as I am no longer interested in any statement you're trying to make, if you yeah. if you make a statement, it's dumb luck.
1: You know, here's here's the thing. I think that if I saw this film when I was 12 years old, I I think I would have. It in a much higher place in yeah. my mind. I think it would have hit me right. It would have been that sort of film that hopefully I, I would not go back and rewatch and find that it was actually, you know, it, it it was not the movie that I thought it was. But I think if I watched it as as a twelve year old, I would totally be into everything in this world.
0: Yeah, yeah. I no, I think that's absolutely true. So you you saw it a few a uh, few years too late. Yep. Let's talk about the opera scene real quick uh, cuz that it's, that's it's one actually, I believe
1: I, you say you really like. I really like the opera scene. I think that's uh surprisingly uh still holds up. It it's a really beautiful scene. I love the performance that the opera singer does both as kind of more the realistic opera as far as what we know of opera and then kind of the crazy alien <laughs> opera that comes in the second half. Um that's really fun and actually i find the inner cutting even between the opera singing and then the the gunfighting and everything that uh lilu is doing with the the uh the giant toad people um it, it actually works really well and i think that for me is the strongest part of the film
0: that you know i i think it's a i i agree diva plava laguna is a um i i found that um you know that sequence was particularly artful. Um, I'm I'm trying to f- just to figure. I had it here. Who played Diva plavaguna. Do you have that in front of you?
1: I uh, uh... I don't.
0: In any case, I I think the I think what they did with it was fantastic. My, my when my when I I think what they did with that sequence was fantastic. I think that it was a it made for a great transition. Um, you know into the action. Um, you know that takes us to the last uh, through to the home stretch of the film, um, and it gave us a great opportunity for some fantastic visuals of of things blowing up.
1: Yeah. Did uh, you know she's also in in uh, Leon?
0: I did not. I'm ashamed to say.
1: We. Oui. Mm-hmm. She plays very briefly. She is the uh, the little wavy prostitute that fat man is uh is getting ready to uh to play with uh before Leon comes in and and starts killing everybody.
0: <laughs> Fascinating.
1: Yeah, and she is married or was married uh to Luke. Oh. Did, did you know that? To
0: Luke uh, to to Bessel himself.
1: Oui. He's had a tough time with uh uh
0: well, let's say uh, spouses.
1: Yes. Actually, it doesn't say here that they got married. It says, um, oh, they got in a relationship is what it says. <laughs> it says, she may be the inspiration for Matilda in Leon. Uh, Mai Wen met writer-director Luke Besson when she was 12. And in later years, they got in a relationship and had a child. Wow. Creepy.
0: Just for a few years. Mai Wen Labesco. And then you know he was married uh, to Mila Jovovich for a brief two years, yeah. uh, and uh, divorced her. And now they he is married to Virginie Sila, and is still yeah,
1: married th- as far as I know. I think they married uh, right after this film, mm-hmm. and then I think they got divorced shortly after the Messenger, their follow-up. To right, this, right. Which I think I, I only saw it once, but I think I may have enjoyed it more than. Fifth element
0: <laughs> <laughs> i i find it difficult to believe that you wouldn't have especially judging by the fifth element uh flick chart page whereas you and i are our friends on flick chart and we can see how we have ranked flick chart would you like to guess where yours is don't go check oh just give it a just pick a number uh I now you know. you my friend have ranked a lot of films
1: i i've ranked a lot of films and i have to say there's a lot of films on there you know, that are, are aren't ranked properly, but I'm gonna say oh, it has to be toward the bottom of the I, list. I
0: think this one probably is. You have ranked thirty-one thousand thirty-one thousand no, this okay, this is fascinating.
1: That's how many to me. rankings I've done. That's how many, That's many rankings many you've done.
0: done. You have ranked three thousand and four movies as of That's today. a lot of movies. Three thousand movies you've ranked. And uh of this film, this is I think the most fascinating point. You have ranked this film fifteen ten. That wow. means there are actually, according to you, 1,500 movies that are worse.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, well, you know, I, I, I'm going to re-rank it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Short Circuit or Fifth Element? I like Short Circuit better. <laughs> <laughs> the Morning After. The morning After, please. The Blob 1988 serious? version? Definitely. <laughs> the Golden Child? You bet. Dancing Pepsi Cans. I love it. Firestar? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but not better than Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Sorry. I have to pick Fifth Element over that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. Uh,
1: so it's better than a couple. It's not at the bottom of the list. It's definitely better than Dreamcatcher. Ooh.
0: Not a big but, fan of Dreamcatcher. Is
1: it better than Blade,
0: House of Kthon? Yes, yes <laughs> I, it is. That
1: would have to be one that I didn't
0: rank. Oh, that's unfortunate. I So I, uh, you know, I ranked it uh, higher than you. Um, but, uh, you know, there are, I, I look at it a little bit differently. There are a lot of really good movies, uh, uh, you know, that I, I rank it ahead of. I have it at about 390. Um so wow. interesting, uh, interesting little comparison. I think, uh, but I'm glad we get to we we get to talk about it. How did it do in the? Uh, did you even look up well, the numbers? Do you care? Enough I, no, I, no, about?
1: I did. I did. I, I'm always interested in this yeah. sort of stuff. In fact, I care so much that I completely geeked out and I did an international film budgetary spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> well, by <laughs> all yes, means, yes, sir. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Okay, so. <laughs> Well, I I was curious because somebody posted on my Facebook page that this film, what did he say, that it was the highest, um, the most successful non-American funded movie up to that point in film history, which I found really interesting. I was like, really? Um, I mean – Kind of surprised me, but uh, it was uh, something that was worth looking into. Absolutely. And then, and then I said, is that really true? And he said, oh, wait, I screwed it up. It wasn't the most successful movie financed and produced outside the U.S. It was the most expensive movie financed and <laughs> produced outside of the U.S. <laughs> that, I'm, I'm going to say, takes on a bit of a different meaning. This, Well, but, you know, as I looked into it, it actually he wasn't far from the t- truth with his first comment. This movie cost $90 million to make. Uh, so a hefty chunk of dough to make this film. Um, now, he was talking about a statistic as far as like the movie that or the money that came uh, from outside of the country versus, you know, U.S. funds. I couldn't find anything as far as like who was funding films as far as like all these international films. I right. have no idea. I just went for international films and I threw this on the list, because, even though it's, it's kind of a U.S. film as far as everybody speaks English, all that sort of stuff and then there's a cowboy um we have a uh um i threw it on the list because it, it it was internationally funded it was it was the french company Gaumont that uh that did produce this film so 90 million to make i i found the total budget was 95 million so i'm assuming there's 5 million dollars of prints and advertising in there and um this film domestically in the states only grossed 63 almost 64 million dollars internationally however it grossed uh over 200 million so total you know it, it did pretty well for itself uh 200 almost 264 million dollars that it made so it definitely made its money back um now it actually was the most expensive uh film made at that time um of international films and uh you know, as I look at this, I think it still is the most expensive film made overseas. However, um it also was the highest grossing one until 2002 when Spirited Away, the uh, Hayao Miyazaki film, actually broke that record. And it outgrossed The Fifth Element, made 200, almost $275 million dollars. And wow. then this year, that film, The Intouchables, or Intouchables, I don't know how you say it, but it's the, the French film about the paraplegic. That film is just like going gangbusters and making ridiculous amounts of money all around the world. It only made $10 million in the U.S., but it made over $400 million internationally. <laughs> so that film doubled, uh, almost doubled what The Fifth Element made. And it's, wow. it's like a, you know, kind of a drama comedy sort of film as far as what I can tell, so
0: wow yeah. now is that but how many years apart are of those when was that When when is that
1: that well the untouchables was 2012 that's this oh, that's year. this year probably, yeah, right yeah it's this year the fifth element was 97 97 so, you know, and Yeah, so f- 15 years in between i don't know what the uh the inflation a- rate has, adjusted
0: uh, dollars and adjusted costs of cinema tickets and
1: yeah i don't have all that so Ac-
0: access to screens
1: we oui. but yeah i did this whole chart with that like, is fantastic the top 50 international films it was i i just really geeked out on it so yeah i'll i'll make a a pdf of it and we can we can post it somewhere we will we
0: will post it
1: uh people people who really are interested in this sort of thing can just they, they can just engorge themselves on numbers
0: I don't know if "engorge" is the word you want to <laughs> use. I don't know. Well, we'll let it. We'll leave it. We'll leave we'll it there. It, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Uh, I. I here's the thing about this movie. I, I've. It's a mess. It's chaos. It is beautiful chaos. I think it is. It is uh, kind of addicting. Maybe unhealthy uh there's not a lot of substance to it, but it is so easy to just let it wash over you i think and i i, I think he uh, besson delivered uh sort of a sixteen year old's um space fantasy uh and i think he did it well um it at a hundred and twenty six minutes uh you know for for any other uh for any other space epic that that might seem reasonable here it plays long even you know uh, 15 years later it's it's a long yeah uh, it's a long mess and uh and you feel it i think in this movie but uh but it is one that that again i it it uh, I, I like to wrap myself up in it occasionally, and I think watching it again, I, I didn't it, like I said at the beginning. I I still have uh, I still work to figure out what this movie is about every single time I uh, watch <laughs> it. And I was trying to describe it to my ten year old, and I said, you know, I, I I can't I can't tell you what I'm watching right now. I have no idea how I would begin. So uh, <laughs> that that you know that I think says enough. Uh,
1: it really does turn your brain to mush as you're watching it. It sure does.
0: But it's on the list, and I would like to celebrate with you, sir. I feel like we have done yeoman's work here. We have finished our brief uh, but delicious series on Luc Besson. Well, I I have a few things that I want to say.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Surprise. All right, do it. So, okay, so first, um, the... this uh, this was interesting, and I didn't catch it. I, I never actually caught it, and it was like a little uh, trivia track that pops up on the movie that you can watch it with, which actually helped me get through the movie this time. <laughs> Corbin <laughs> Corbin Dallas and Zorg are never in a scene together. They never interact in the entire film. That's funny. The But there is one shot where they actually are in the same shot together. In fact, all the characters are together, uh, Corbin Dallas and Lilu. And um, whatever Ian Holmes' character's name is, and uh, Zorg, they are in one shot as Corbin and they're they're all fleeing this giant ship that the opera ship, whatever it is. Yes. A, in uh, uh, fla- in orbit, they're all fleeing it as America it's is. about to blow up, and we see them disappear into an elevator just as. Gary Oldman's character comes out the door. So they are in one shot, one continuous take where they're all in a shot, but they never actually are in the same physical space together. I thought that was pretty interesting for a film that that uh, has these all these characters uh, uh, who seem to be all playing so much the same game or, or trying to achieve the same thing, yet they never actually come together.
0: It It is interesting, particularly that they are such big uh, – they were big names in 1997. I mean, at this point, they were, they were big bankable talent, and they never have them on screen together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And then uh, the last thing I want to say is just how uh, – again, how much Eric Serra manages to – Big – make uh uh just an absolutely (laughs) horrid score to listen to uh there's a line on the uh, filmtracks.com review of his score that says it's a nearly impossible score to sit through from start to finish because along the journey through the genres of reggae techno opera (laughs) rap pop and classical the album fails to convey any kind of connecting tool with which to identify the whole work which pretty much sums it up it's,
0: I, I, do, does it feel a little bit like we're digging on, on Eric, I, Eric it, Sarah? Oh,
1: I, I wouldn't feel like I needed to if I felt like he wrote anything good, but anyone who loves Eric, Sarah, we'd love to hear from you and why uh, he is actually somebody that's worth listening to.
0: Otherwise, we may be forced to do an Eric, Sarah, <laughs> Sarah series. <laughs> We'll have well, to do these
1: I, three movies again. <laughs> uh, I'd be happy to go back and revisit The Big Blue uh, because of what you said last time about how his crazy tunes somehow might work with you know mm-hmm. people swimming with dolphins. And...
0: I w- I would say that that that's probably the closest it comes. But I agree with you this this one it doesn't uh, uh, it, the the genre hopping really was the problem that I had with it and I I you know it's to the point where I didn't even make any notes on it because uh, uh, it it was so dismissible. Uh, as an element of the film that that it's all it almost makes sense you know i i mean you, you don't play a lot of video games do you you're not much of a i'm not, not a video game. game. well well there, there is this sort of thing you know if you the, the real secret to video games if you really ever want to uh, uh you know beat the impossible games you always turn off the music and put on your own kind of soundtrack and and that's kind of what i felt like when i watched this movie that that boy if i could have put on my own soundtrack i would have enjoyed this uh, this experience even more you kind of have to tune it out yeah yeah so, uh, anyhow, uh, other closing
1: comments. I think that was it. I think I, I covered all of it. All right. So, um, you know, it's there, I, I'm surprised by how many people reacted to me when I, uh, I said how much I hated it, who actually, uh, completely praise it. Um, But there were a few who stuck with me and they (laughs) seem to feel it's I guess it just proves that his style is just very divisive and some people really get into it and some people don't. And you know what? That's that's how it's always going to be with uh, with some stories that are like this. So
0: true enough. True enough. All right. So what do we have coming up? We have uh, a special event this weekend.
1: Yes, this weekend we're going to be uh, we're going to be doing our film board. We're going to be chatting about The Hobbit and Unexpected Journey.
0: We are, and some of us will be talking about The Hobbit and Unexpected Journey, uh, high frame rate 3D IMAX.
1: Here, here, some some of, some some of us, some of us who have IMAX with uh, one of we've, we've one of only
0: on. 19 in the United States, 50 That's... in the world. Yeah, right yeah yeah I'm pretty excited about that
1: ay, yada no I think that's great.
0: Uh, very I excited it. to see this film. it opens uh it actually opens as we're recording this right now uh, it is opening uh across the planet and uh so we're very excited to catch that this weekend and that will go uh that'll go live uh sunday yes and then next week we're uh, we're taking our little holiday break and we will bring you our conversation on the fantastic Christmas in July.
1: Uh, wonderful film wonderful
0: wonderful film film, a great holiday film we're excited to bring that to you and then we'll uh, then we'll kick off uh, a whole new series we have a we I'm not even going to talk about it it's a holiday slash new series uh, for our kind of new year transition show very excited to lead into the new year with a a wonderful artist
1: yeah I'm I'm very excited I think it's going to be fun
0: no me too me too very much Uh,
1: so I think that's it I think we're done I think so. I think so. I think we we managed uh, to uh, pull through this series and I'm, uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm glad we did it. I I rediscovered two great films.
0: (laughs) 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 I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms. But in August 2022,